Lock your doors and turn out the lights because it's Halloween in Gotham City. Two years after the masked vigilante known to the public as the Batman has appeared on the scene, the Falcone and Moroni feud has reached new levels of bloodshed. With no end in sight to all the violence and carnage, is there any hope for our glorious city and its innocent residents? Or is something far more sinister on the horizon? We have a signal now for when I'm needed. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning to them. Fear is a tool they think I'm hiding in the shadows. Live from the underground airwaves of Gotham City, it's the Batship Podcast. Today, we are indeed lowering the lights and getting our treats ready because there's no tricks about it that today is Halloween, the one day a year where everyone dons a mask to hide their true identities. Or maybe perhaps this is the chance to show the world who we really are underneath the facades that we put on for the world. As always, I am your host, Reina Cervantes, and I'm a firm believer in Gotham City. With me, as always, is the second half to my dynamic duo, Madison Fairchild. Hello, everyone. Happy Halloween. I know this is a kind of a special episode already. We're not that many episodes into this pod. I'm so excited. But this is like low-key a banger of an episode. Yeah, our first holiday. We had so much fun planning a special Halloween episode for you guys. When we first decided to launch the pod, it was very much with the idea in mind that we would do it on Mondays so that we hit Halloween on Halloween. So we are so excited for this. Yeah, and we figure Batman is always synonymous with Halloween. And, you know, last week's episode with Kevin was Halloween focused as well. So we're like, let's mm-hmm. just do multiple Halloween episodes. Yeah, we are. We're so ready for it. <laughs> Today, we're taking a look at one of the most turbulent years in the history of Gotham City, an era where the mobsters passed the torch to costume maniacs when jack-o'-lanterns became a sign of death and a costume vigilante came down with the mysterious case of the holiday blues. That's right. Today, we're discussing the seminal storyline, The Long Halloween. And in particular, it's two part 2021 animated adaptation that was re-released this year as one long singular epic known as The Long Halloween, the deluxe edition. This animated adaption of the comic was directed by Chris Palmer, written by Tim Sheridan and starring Jensen Ackles as Batman, Josh Jamal as Harvey Dent, Billy Burke as Commissioner Gordon. Naya Rivera as Selena Kyle, Troy Baker as the Joker, and Jack Quaid as Alberto Falcone. Held hostage by the powerful Falcone crime family, Gotham City is rife with crime and corruption. Adding to the chaos is the mystery of the holiday killer, who has been targeting the underworld and leaving a trail of terror and body bags. Yes, yes, yes. You know what? We were going to cover this storyline eventually, but we figured why not do the animated adaptation that I kind of feel like is underseen, that it kind of flew under a lot of radars. It definitely is. It definitely is underseen and it has a wonderful cast and we want to deep dive the Long Halloween comics and that will go over several weeks. So we wanted to do the Long Halloween for Halloween, but something we could cover in an episode. And I feel like this is the perfect decision for that. Yeah, like you said, the when we cover the actual comic, it's going to be over the course of a couple of weeks because a lot of people don't know that like not only is the long Halloween itself about like 13 issues, 
but it's also got sequels. You got Dark Victory, you got Catwoman when in Rome, and then you got the prequel Haunted Night. So mm-hmm. rather than kind of not do, do justice to that storyline, we're like, why not just cover the condensed version that I, I say condensed, but it's still like a three hour movie. <laughs> it is. It is quite the epic, but such a fun one. And it's easy because you can watch the deluxe version in and sit for three hours and watch it. Or you can split it up between parts one and part two and cover it over a couple nights. So you do have options if you don't have the time to sit and watch it all at once. Was this your first time watching this one? It was. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, OK. It had I watched it over two sittings just because um, me and my focus can't really do a three hour film. But I loved it. I kind of forgot certain plot lines from the long Halloween um, comics because it has been such a long time for me. So it was kind of like new, new and exciting. But I also feel like some changes were made. But we'll get into that later because I don't know if I'm 100 percent correct, but it felt a little different at times. But I loved it. Do you have any history watching the the DC animated films? Uh, Yeah, I really like Hell to Pay. Mm hmm. Suicide Suicide Squad Squad, Hell to Pay. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before. I went and saw Killing Joke in theaters. Uh, We have lots of thoughts about that. But I did, too. I just know eventually we're going to cover that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm sort of not looking forward to that one. I know. I know. No, there's just been a bunch that I've seen on streaming services and kind of put on in the background. And there's a few that I own copies of, but I somehow missed this one when it came out yeah this one just kind of i don't want to say they like didn't really promote it but it seems like it kind of came out of nowhere and they came out within like six months of each other no i thought i had seen it actually Mm -hmm. like i whenever it had been brought up before between us i'm like oh yeah i definitely saw that it's definitely when i popped on while i was like cleaning my room or doing homework just because i do that a lot you know Mm-hmm. And I sat down to watch it. and I was like, oh, I've never seen this. I don't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> like, I don't know why I thought I'd seen this before. Yeah, this is part of like DC's newer animated initiative known as the Tomorrowverse. Yeah. So I don't know if you follow the DC animated movies like to a T like I do. But for a while there, most of them were like new 52 adaptations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. uh th- they culminated in a film called Justice League Dark Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which essentially hits the reset button on the whole universe. So this is in a new canon from those movies. And I believe this new canon is like this movie. It's Superman Man of Tomorrow, which is why it's called the Tomorrowverse. Mm-hmm. And um, Justice Society World War II. Oh. Yeah, it's it's weird. They're like doing these connected animated movies, but also doing like their standalone things because Injustice also came out after this, but isn't connected. It's, um, yeah, you know what? You could just watch this one if you wanted to. You don't have to watch the other ones, but it's got a different art style. And I kind of wanted yeah, to get your, your take on the new animation style that these DC movies have. Because notoriously before they were like, pretty much Bruce Tim inspired, but this one kind of features exactly. a new like bold outline look. I'm going to be honest. I didn't hate it. It was not my favorite animation style. Mm-hmm. As you know, DC animation is 
in my opinion, like the top tier of animation. I just love it so much. Um, I'm not 100% caught up on all the movies that have come out in recent years, but I definitely, it's very close to my heart. And this wasn't my favorite animation style. I felt like it was kind of suffering from same face syndrome for everyone. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, but I feel like Harvey and Bruce looked a little too similar. And I'm totally spacing on Harvey's wife's name. Gilda. Gilda. Like Harvey and Gilda and then Selena and uh, Bruce together. It was just like four siblings hanging out. <laughs> if you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying. But it wasn't my favorite. It also felt, I don't know if they were kind of going for that comic feel, but it didn't feel like there was a lot of motion in it. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of just the characters standing still and speaking their lines. And I didn't know if that was to give kind of like the comic panel feeling, but it definitely was not the most interesting to look at in comparison to other DC animated projects. Yeah, like it looks like flash animation in some segments. It does. It truly does. And that's not to say that it's bad. It just when it's three hours of very little movement, it's kind of hard to fully stay in it. But the story mm. was great. So I feel like the story makes up for that. The voice acting was phenomenal. Yeah, it's got a banger of a cast. It really does. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. This is a very embarrassing fact about Maddie that you all get to be brought in on is in high school. I was one of four admins for the Troy Baker Facebook fan page. I was the only minor in the group. And I don't know what I was doing with my life, but that is how I spent all my nights and weekends in high school was just uh, managing a Troy Baker fan page. So I was very excited to see him as the Joker in this one. And he mm -hmm. does a really good like Mark Hamill impersonation of the Joker, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's Troy's Joker, but it's Mark's Joker, if we're being real. Well, like he was quite literally like the replacement. Yeah, the in replacement, the Arkham games, right? Yeah, for uh, Arkham yeah. Origins in 2013. Yes, I was telling my my boyfriend and I were watching together, and he's like, "Is that Mark?" And we we were talking about how it's Troy, but it's Troy's Mark, like because of the Arkham games. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. I think if you can do if you can do Mark's Joker justice, then you're amazing. And then Naya, it was so sad to watch this. I've been a Naya fan since I was in what middle school and we'll talk about this later but she did tragically pass and so to see her as Selena Kyle was really awesome but the animation sorry yeah yeah I was gonna say I wanted to circle back to the animation because whenever a seminal storyline like this gets adapted to a DC like animated film there's always like a point of contention around it it's happened before with the Dark Knight Returns it happened with mm -hmm. Killing Joke where these these stories have such vivid imagery like in the books, in the graphic novels, that when it gets adapted for the screen, it's just like the animators don't have much time or resources to work with. And it it kind of like in a weird way, like steals the soul from the story. It does. I feel like the long Halloween has a very um, I don't know if this is the right word, but it feels very gothic. Mm -hmm. The art for it. It just has like a spooky feel, if that makes sense. and. Mm -hmm. The made for film version was not that at all. It was weird because it was darker content like rated R, but it felt animated like a children's show. <laughs> mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, and I feel like taking away kind of that gothic look that the comic has really sucked the life out of it for me. That is not, to, again, not to say that it's bad, but the animation was probably my least favorite part of the film. Mm -hmm. 
and I feel like like a lot of Tim sales are rest in peace. He just passed like this last year. I feel like a lot of like Tim sales art gave the characters and Gotham city itself, like a sense of uniqueness. Like you see his rendition of the Joker in the graphic novel and you're just like, wow, that is like a Tim sale Joker. That is like his version of that character. And Mm. when you see it in this movie, you're just like, Oh yeah, it's, it's the Joker. Yeah. And it's also, I know that the way that comics are like colored, Mm -hmm. is going to be different just because of what they are. But I felt like the coloring in the long Halloween for all the characters is so unique and so vivid. And it just kind of falls flat in the film version because, you know, in the comic, a lot of the shading for black is going to be blue. It's going to be purple. And that's so that you can have the highlights and like those visual aspects to it. But all the black was just flat black in the film, if that makes sense. And I just feel like it kind of takes away from how beautiful the art was in the comic. But that's all right, I suppose. (laughs) I think I sent you like a panel as I was watching this where it's a Batman looking upon the bat signal and Catwoman's like lying on top of it. And it's just like this gorgeous, like single panel of art that is like super iconic. And there's not one moment of that in the movie where I felt like I cannot recognize scenes like memorable scenes in the comic, like just did not like stand out to me in this movie at all. Yeah, no, not at all. And I felt like some of correct me if I'm wrong. Again, it's been a very long time since I've read The Long Halloween, so I may just be totally off base. But I feel like for the Falcone women, the like the bigger girls in the Mm -hmm. comic, they do a really good job at making them just look like plus size women. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they were like just really muscular, (laughs) if that makes sense. Like they just looked like buff. Yeah. Like I, I felt like Tim Sale's art conveys both. If that makes sense. Like they are plus size, but they're also very muscular. They're intimidating. They're like uh, the, the godmothers in the Gotham Knights game that just came out. That's exactly what I'm getting at is that, they did a really good job at balancing the two. And in this one, it's just odd because like it it kind of has that Dorito body type. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like the Henry Cavill or Chris Evans superhero body type where it's just broad shoulders, thin waist and like a skinnier face. So it doesn't look like a plus size woman. It just looks like, I don't know, a, an extremely well built woman. Um, but in the comics, they are definitely both. And I think that. It was just a weird thing to change. And also, like, I'm not saying it's bad or problematic. It was just odd. It was an odd choice to make. Um, And it just didn't look right. It looked a little funky. But yeah, like the the character designs in this movie are less interesting than the comic, to say the least. Like, I think Catwoman in this movie has like one of the most generic looks ever. Whereas like, no. Whereas like the comic book counterpart is like one of her most unique looks. Yeah. Catwoman looks super boring. Super, super boring. Even at her as Selena. Selena looks so plain. Oh my God. This movie with like the white women with the bobbed haircuts. Oh my God. That's what I was saying about Harvey's girl and Selena. They just they're just two white women with bobs. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I know one's got like a straight A line bob and the other one's got like a like a like a blown out bob. Yeah, I thought that Ivy looked pretty cool, though. 
Ivy's design is pretty good. Um, voiced by we didn't mention it, but voiced by the wonderful Katie Sackoff. Yes. Oh, my wife. We we love Katie Sackoff in this in this household. Love her so much. So we're not going to deep dive the story, but we're just kind of going to go over, give our thoughts overall. Mm. What did you think of this movie? I think if I hadn't read the comic, I would have liked it a lot more. I also think that if it wasn't a movie and was like maybe cut into shorter episodes, like 20 minute episodes and was a mini series, I would have Mm -hmm. liked it more as well. The story is fun, of course, because the long Halloween is good. So the base product they have there is good. I maybe would suggest it to people that don't like don't like to read comic books, but want to get the story. I would suggest it then. I my brother is a big fan of Long Halloween and he was like, I don't know if I want to watch the movie, but I'll watch it for your pod. And I just sent him a text. I was like, I don't know if I'd suggest it because I feel like he's not going to like it. It's not for him, you know, mm-hmm. but I I did like it. It was my boyfriend's first time experiencing the Long Halloween. So I'm glad I got to watch it with him, you know, but besides voice acting being phenomenal, And the story, which is the story of the comic, more or less being great. It just it didn't stand up on its own as much as I was hoping for it to. I'm kind of curious to what your boyfriend thought of it. If this was his like very first experience with like anything long Halloween related. Yeah, it seemed like he liked it. He was asking a lot of questions and stuff. So it seemed like he was into it, you know? Yeah, because I can imagine like because this movie... I know I'm going to say this a lot, but this movie doesn't go in depth as the comic and it can be Mm -mm. like super overwhelming with like the amount of characters at play. So much characters and so, so many characters and so much information just being thrown at you like nonstop. Yeah. And I feel like I should have said at first that it was the holiday killer. So he thought it was just a Halloween movie that we were going to watch, but it wasn't, which was kind of funny. But yeah, and it was fun. I mean, it was fun seeing Calendar Man after seeing the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I was going to say you need to elaborate for our listeners that don't know the connection between that. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen the Suicide Squad, uh, Calendar Man has a very, very, very short part in that film. And most fans of the Batman movies that aren't fans of the comics wouldn't know who that is. And my boyfriend is one of them. He saw the Suicide Squad. Calendar Man is in the Suicide Squad, but he's not really in any other live action version of the Batman. So it's like, oh, that guy from Suicide. You know what I mean? Like also the bigger connection is uh, the actor that plays Polka Dot Man voices Calendar Man in this movie. Yes, we did discover that while scrolling IMDb last night. Yes, he does. That's so awesome. I forgot. David Doss. Man, I'm really going to butcher this name. Doss. Do you want to try to pronounce that? Yeah, I need to look it up again so I can phonetically hear it. Um, David Dasmalkin? Dasmalkin? Yeah, uh-huh. let's go with that. Um, I'm going to have to look up how to properly say it one day. One but yes. No, this is going to drive me insane. <laughs> I have no idea. Sorry, David, if you ever hear this. We love you and we apologize. Anyway, what were you saying? Oh, I was saying that was the bigger connection as well. Like not only is Calendar Man briefly in the Suicide Squad, but they also share actors between the movies. Yeah, no, it's super fun. I definitely think that if this was to be someone's first experience with the long Halloween, I don't think it would be a very good one. 
Like I wouldn't recommend it to new people. Like I know people don't want to read comics, but I'm going to be one of those sticklers. That's like, just read the damn comic because also the long Halloween is like one of the greatest Batman books of all time. It really is. It it really is amazing, both art wise and story wise. It's so fun. And although comics are not accessible for everyone, Long Halloween is so old that you can get it free many places, including on the DC app, if you have the DC app. But yeah, I definitely I was a little disappointed by this one. I'm not going to lie. A little mm-hmm. bit disappointed. Um, It is very rare that I watch a DC animated anything and feel bored and there were definitely times where I was like feeling a little bored for this one so which is wild because this is like one of the only two part movies that DC has done animated wise the other one being uh the Dark Knight Returns which I'm gonna save that for another episode but I got a whole rant about that one (laughs) and it's just like well it's just this thing where like DC fans and I mean, I guess I've been guilty of it, too, is like you beg for these like classic storylines to get adapted. And when it happens, there's just like so little care or attention to detail like put in it that it just falls way short of your expectations. Yeah, no, that's so funny that that's the one you mentioned, because I went back to double check. And when I told my brother to watch this movie for the episode, he said, I'll give it a chance, but I wasn't a big fan of the one adaption that I saw, The Dark Knight Returns. So I stayed away from the other one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can. That's so funny. I could totally see that because if you like, yeah. I'm not going to say too much on it, but like if you read that book and were a fan of it, that movie cuts out so much. You're just like, mm, maybe not. And also, like it happened again with the Killing Joke. People begged for years for them to do a Killing Joke movie with Mark Gamble, and it came out. And look at the disaster it was. Yeah, that's so funny. You guys are on the same wavelength for that one. Should I not watch that one? Then I'm assuming. Have you never seen the Killing Joke? No, not Killing Joke. Uh, the um, I already forgot the name. Oh, the Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Okay, like spoilers because we. Like we are going to cover it on an episode like so you'll end up watching it. OK, then I'm going to see it eventually. OK, OK, for sure. But it's just one of those things where like a good like almost damn near perfect storyline gets adapted. And then I end up watching the movie and I go, why? Like, what was the end of this? Because the long <laughs> Halloween is like very important, not only because it's so good, but it's also very important to the history of Batman like storytelling wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. It represents the paradigm shift of like year one, where it's like Batman going up against mobsters and criminals. It's the paradigm shift to like, mm-hmm. oh, the rogues gallery is like rising up like and you yeah. and you get like the the murderers row of like all the like of the rogues gallery that like Batman ends up becoming like rivals with. And it. Like from here on out, like Gotham City is forever changed. Yeah, that was my one note that it was really fun having a movie with so many villains in it. So many iconic villains were in this film. And that is the one thing I could suggest it to someone based off of is it's always fun to see them all together, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And the Ivy moments were fun, I thought. Like having Bruce under her control and stuff. The villain moments are fun. Like that one. Like that one scene where he's like fighting everybody is great. 
it like almost reminds yeah, me of an yeah. Arkham game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also like if you couldn't tell, like the long Halloween is just influenced like countless like Batman media, including like the 2022 oh, film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean. Like spoilers, if you haven't seen the 2022 Batman film, that movie straight up opens with a murder on Halloween night like this movie does. Yeah. And Bruce's opening monologue about Halloween is one of my favorite things in the world. Mm -hmm. So good. (laughs) And you kind of see where the foundation was like kind of laid for like that aesthetic with not necessarily this film, but this story. Yes, for sure. For sure. I was thinking about that the whole time. Very interesting performances. How do we feel about those? How do you how do you like do you have a favorite performance? How do you feel about Jensen Ackles as Batman? Just just fire off your thoughts. Yeah, I thought Jensen and Josh were amazing as uh, Bruce and Harvey. I thought that Billy as Commissioner Gordon, it was a little hard because I'm used to Commissioner Gordon sounding a little more gruff and Mm -hmm. he kind of just sounded the same age as Bruce. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. He sounded very I don't know. Well, in a weird way, it's like he he is supposed to be young, like him and Bruce. Like that's true, because it's only like so young in this one. Yeah, it's one year after uh, year one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it was just odd to hear Gordon sound. His voice just didn't sound like Gordon in my mind. You know, Um, I think Naya did fantastic as Selena. I feel bad because Selena was kind of a letdown. But that was animation's fault, not her acting. Mm-hmm. Like we said, Troy was fantastic. Troy Baker was fantastic as the Joker. Um, loved Katie Sackhoff being Ivy. It was probably my favorite part of the movie. But the, the performances I thought were fantastic. What about you? Um, I really love Jensen Ackles as Batman. Like mm-hmm. before Robert Pattinson was cast, he was actually one of the actors that I was like, oh, he could play that character in live action even. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I still kind of believe that, that if like the Pattinson Batman movie never happened. Yeah. Like you picture him like, oh, in the bat suit with like the cowl in his hands, like you just like picture it or you picture him as Bruce Wayne at like a gala on on point casting with him right there. Um, Naya Rivera is really interesting to me as Selena Kyle, which is like the total opposite of her design. Yeah, because I feel she plays. How do I put this? She brings like a sense of like levity to the role. Is that the word I'm looking for? Or am I yeah. looking for? No, you're completely like, right. Like, I, I feel like her role as Selena Kyle in this and her performance in particular, even though it's like voice acting, it's very nuanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she ends up being probably one of my favorite versions of Catwoman. You have that whole scarecrow sequence where like Bruce is hallucinating that Selena is his mother and like the way she's like kind of dealing with that situation. Yeah, I I thought that scene was really good as well. I totally forgot the scarecrow scene. The scarecrow scene was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I I thought the art for the scarecrow scene was so good. (laughs) Oh, no, literally like, I mean, if you're watching the deluxe, you won't notice. But if you watch it in two parts, like. The beginning of part two is just Batman getting the shit kicked out of him, like first by Poison Ivy and then instantly followed up by Scarecrow. No, I thought the Scarecrow part was fantastic. I totally forgot about that. Um, No, I think Naya did bring a lot of like, I don't know. And I always say on here that I mean, it it may have been cut before, but Catwoman is Latina in my eyes. 
So having a Latina play her made me really happy. But um, no, Scarecrow was that was a banger of a scene. I can't lie. (laughs) It's like one of the best scenes about part two, which part two, I feel, is like a drastic drop in quality from part one. Yes. Just (laughs) just because like, okay, so part one covers from Halloween, which is the first holiday murder to New Year's Eve, where um, Mm -hmm. Alberto Falcone dies, dies in quotations. And I was like, holy shit, they got like nine more months to go through in like one movie. And they are just like fucking flying through everything. Yeah, it was a lot. Like almost to the point that it's like a little bit incoherent. It was one of the reasons that I'm like, if you were new and did not know anything about the long Halloween story, like you would be instantly overwhelmed. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I just. I personally wasn't a fan of that, but that's neither here nor there. Circling back to the cast, I was going to say I really, really love Josh Dumal as Mm, mm Two-Face. Another actor that I think could play the role in in a live action. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now that I'm thinking about that, imagine him like going toe to toe and like working with and then eventually being enemies with the Robert Pattinson Batman. No, that's so perfect. And he has that like attractive in a politician way to him already (laughs) you know what i mean but also like looks like he could be like very scary oh for sure he looks like he could be built like beefy but then he also his face has kind of like a hot politician face i don't know if that makes sense but he's perfect for live action Mm -hmm. so those three i really love and gotta give a special shout out to jack quaid as alberto falcone Oh, my gosh. Of course. Of course. Which is like, I feel like this was like before he blew up from like the boys and scream. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I love him. I We've talked about yeah, this before. Yeah, I was going to say I was like, I think I kind of sold you on this movie where I was like, oh, yeah, Jack Quaid's in it. Yeah, I love that man. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, part one covers about three months and I think it's paced very well. And I do like the ending where Alberto Falcone's killed on the ship. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, what are they going to do for part two? And instantly part two jumps into like, (laughs) it jumps into Valentine's Day and Bruce Wayne is like caught in like Poison Ivy's trap and Catwoman has to save him. And you're given like zero context of like how he even got there. You don't even know what happened in between that and New Year's. Yeah, yeah. And the biggest crime, I think, is part two ends up cutting out April Fool's Day, which in the comic, the holiday killer and the Riddler have an encounter for April Fool's Day. Uh And to me, it was one of the best like highlights in the graphic novel that for them to cut it felt like a gut punch. But unfortunately, they like did not know how to divide these movies. So like part one's three months and then part two is like nine months. It's it was so weird. It turns into a mess in a second half. I ain't gonna lie. I really, really don't like part two as much as part one. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I actually I have to make a confession. I had to turn off part two yesterday and restart it today because you know me. I, I stay up really late at night. I started mm-hmm. falling asleep at 10 p.m. to part two. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had to turn it off because I was like, why am I falling asleep at 10 p.m.? I had to finish mm-hmm. it this morning. But that is so out of character for me. Like, 
it was losing me quick. It was losing me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, we we could sit here and talk about like a three hour movie for ages. I'm I'm sure of it. But at the end of the day, what's your final verdict on this movie? Like, do you recommend it? Mm. Do you want it? Do we want to give it like a letter score or a number score? Oh, I'm really bad at number scores. I'd give it a I'd give a it letter. a five. OK, um, a C. It is painfully average to me. I'm going D plus. I mm. OK, boom. Let's go into this. They changed the ending of the yeah. long Halloween Can story. Can you go into that, please? Because yeah. I knew something was different. I fucking knew it. <laughs> so in the original ending, it's revealed that Gilda Dent picked up the identity as the holiday killer to lighten the load on Harvey Dent's like shoulders so that they could have more time mm-hmm. together. Because throughout the movie, they, they're trying to start a family. Yeah, yes. And then eventually Harvey takes over as Holiday Killer. So they change it in this one to O, which Alberto Falcone was Holiday at first in the original one also. But in this one, they alter it. So where, oh, Gilda and Alberto were the Holiday Killers because they were in a seat. They were in a relationship before (laughs) a forbidden relationship. Uh And Alberto Falcone's father, Carmine, forbid their relationship and made pregnant Gilda Dent have an abortion. They fucking Yeah, a forced wrote, abortion. They added a forced abortion to this movie. They added a forced abortion to the long Halloween and it God. does not work on so many levels. Because it's just you so ugh, sorry. You you get this very nuanced ending in the graphic novel where like Gilda Dent is like I did it because I love Harvey and I still think he can be re- rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. And Batman kind of implies mm-hmm. like mm, he might be past saving. And Batman like kind of like learns that like, oh, shit, this is like one of the few like cases I wasn't able to solve because it was just a total like dark horse. Yeah. And in this one, the way it's like spelled out and the forced abortion and the forbidden romance between the mobster and the normal girl. It's like it's low. So it's low key almost offensive. It is. I, I'm sorry. It's such a bad choice. It's such a bad choice, <laughs> especially after they kind of make the Falcone family like a lot more sympathetic in this mm-hmm. movie. So mm-hmm. they're making you like them. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And they forced this girl to have an abortion because she got pregnant out of wedlock. But then she got married, but then they forced the divorce and then they forced an abortion. But she was married already because they had that like shotgun wedding. That doesn't even make sense. Also, do you really think that Falcones really care about babies out of wedlock as long as they got married? So like who was going to know? Let's be real. It was just so stupid. I find it very poor taste, especially considering like the conversation around body ontomity as of late. And it's like, no, that's what was actually offensive, but it also didn't make sense, which was stupid. Yeah, the logic was there. Okay, let's like ignore the logic of the whole thing for a split second and like talk about how fucking like tone deaf it is. Like this movie got Mm. a re-release this year. Like I'm not one to be like, oh, censor it, censor it. But I'm just like, man, you took what was like one of the greatest endings and like added a forced abortion. Yeah, it's fucking whack. And because of that, I mean, this movie gets like a fucking D plus 
for me. I I think yeah. it's gen- yeah. I think it's genuinely a waste of a good cast. It doesn't have a good art style. It's confusing to people who haven't read the graphic novel. Like I'm convinced like you were really struggle to get a grip on the story in the, especially in the second half if you didn't read the graphic novel. Completely agree. And in many ways because of like all of those like factors, I feel it's an insult to the original work to the novel. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas The Dark Knight Returns, I thought was an insult to the original work because it got rid of all the political subtext of the original story. The Long Halloween is like offensive to the mm. original work because it it feels like it adds it out of shock value. For shock value, 100 percent. And also like, I, I don't know. Sorry, I like kind of lost my train of thought there just thinking about it. But like it's for shock value. It's not good. They're taking a family that they spent the whole movie making you like and then making them do a horrendous thing. And it's kind of like it's trying to justify her actions because like now you can't really think of her as a bad person because of this. But she is a bad person. And those weren't the real reasons behind it. So she's the holiday killer. She's going around murdering people. Yeah, it's fucked. I don't know. I don't recommend it. I just say, listen, get the original graphic novel. You'll enjoy that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys, that our episode, our Halloween episode is just us shitting on what we watch. Well, it didn't even turn into like a shitting thing because like, to be honest, it's mostly inoffensive the entire time. And then that twist happens and you're like, wait, what? No, so I'm glad that we talked about this because I was not, I was like, maybe I remembered the comic wrong, but this does not feel right. (laughs) No, I'm glad we talked about it. It's not. They changed it and they changed it for the worst. Um, Mm. It's like, it's like how they changed the killing joke. So we're Batgirl fucked Batman. Yes. Oh, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started on that. That's a whole nother episode. Mm. Well, Sorry to end this Halloween episode on such a bummer as episode. No. Oh man, um, sorry guys. <laughs> Madison, do you want yes. to tell our audience what our next episode is going to be? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Our next episode is going to be Gotham Knights, the video game that just came out. Yeah, we'll be right. we'll be talking about our our experiences with the game. I reviewed it for a publication. Madison bought a copy. We're going to mm-hmm. try out co-op. When we have an opportunity. I'm really excited for this episode. I no spoilers on my thoughts, but I'm excited to cover it. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, comparing and contrasting our thoughts on it. But uh, (laughs) I don't know. I'm excited. I won't say what I think. I'm pretty sure people have read my review, but I won't dive into it here. Madison, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mads Fairchild and you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Maddie underscore Amidala. You can find me, as always, at JFC Doomblade, where my work is being published pretty regularly all over the web. You know, take a look if you care enough. Where can people find the pod? Yes, the podcast on Twitter is at Batshit Pod, and the podcast on Instagram is at Batshit Podcast. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews help us out. Don't leave anything less, or we'll send the holiday killer after you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Happy Halloween!